Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud. The new web hosting plan from Bluehost, with 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's a lot of end friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Little known fact about my guest today, they are two of the most prolific, glorious artists performing on Broadway and beyond, and the two of them have lent their voices to a concept album called My Heart Says Go, and we will talk about that and so much more about their glorious careers on this episode. Welcome Jesse Mueller and Javier Munoz to the podcast. A-OK. Hey everyone, my guest today is Javier Munoz. Javier is best known for starring and co-creating the role of Alexander Hamilton in the hit musical Hamilton on Broadway. He got his original big break starring as Usnavi in In the Heights on Broadway, also created by Lin-Manuel Miranda. On film, Javier can be seen in Monuments, Love Reconsidered, and Three Months. He voices a lead character in the Disney Junior animated series Eureka. Other TV credits include Shadow Hunters, Blind Spot, and Full Frontal with Samantha B. Javier is an outspoken activist for LGBTQ plus rights, a global ambassador for RED, which fights to end HIV AIDS and supporter of GMHC. Jessie Mueller is a Tony and Grammy award-winning actress and singer. She was last seen on Broadway in the minutes. Other recent credits include the Kennedy Center's Guys and Dolls, The Music Man, Julie Jordan in the Broadway revival of Carousel, and she originated the roles of Jenna in Waitress on Broadway and Carol King in Beautiful, the Carol King musical on Broadway. Some of her film and TV credits include The Post, Madam Secretary, Blue Bloods, Candy, and Patsy and Loretta. She's an arts education champion for groups such as Rosie's Theater Kids and a longtime supporter of the entertainment community. Community Fun and Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. I am the luckiest to have Javier Munoz and Jesse Mueller on the podcast today. Welcome to you both. 
I know that recently among all the many, many um, projects, people ask you to uh, lend your voice and your talents to My Heart Says Go is a um, record that has come out recently, a recording. And I wonder if you can talk to my listeners who aren't really always aware of sort of what concept albums are or how is there a cast recording of a musical that maybe hasn't come to Broadway yet and what brought you beautiful people to this project. So Jesse, maybe I'll start with you if that's all right. Yeah, sure. Well, my... Okay, these are all fantastic questions. And I think it's really cool. We're talking about this because we're sort of exploring this new venue. Should we say venue? I um, We're sort of the idea of the music comes to the masses first and then they sort of get exposed to the structure of it all and maybe the actual show. Um, and I think, um, uh, well, certainly Matt Hawkins, who was behind uh, getting behind this thing and, and making it happen, I think his his idea and his goal was that uh, he was all about accessibility. And a lot of this started happening during the pandemic. And he was just thinking, well, how do we make this accessible to people? This is such an amazing story. It's about generational gaps and how the generations interact. And as the title says, what does my heart says go? One of the lines that keeps happening in the show is what is my, what does my heart say? And I think, especially as young people, we ask that question a lot. What does my heart say? And sometimes we get pushback from the world, pushback from parents, pushback from mentors or teachers. And I think that's a lot of what this, this show is about. And Matt felt it was really important to get that story out to people, to get people to hear it and interact with it. So that was sort of the idea behind bringing this to the world. Um, he actually got, he's a teacher at uh, Notre Dame University and he got a grant some money to put toward this project he's been working on putting new works out there and he thought well what should i do should i mount a production should i try to do it at notre dame should i try to do it um somewhere in indiana somewhere else should i try to you know chicago off broadway what do, what do we do and then he thought well maybe the most important thing is for people to hear this story and what's the best way for people to hear this story and the masses to hear it, whether you can afford a ticket or not, whether you can get to a city or not. So he said, he said to himself, well, what if we put this money, what if we put this funding into making a cast recording, an album, a studio recording of this music, of Jorge's music, and, um, and that's what they did. That's how we got here today. And I think Matt would be the first to say, he didn't know what would happen with it. He had right. this idea, he had this idea, he didn't know if it would work, but he took a chance and and here we are. So in kind of researching My Heart Says Go, I was introduced to Jorge Rivera Herans. Is that, mm -hmm. I want to pronounce his last name, to find out like this is a person who has millions of streams of his music, streams as the kid calls it or you know downloads it, whatever you want to say, downloads of this music. Um, so this is a person who already has a tremendous fan base for his music, for his work, for his own voice. Um, Javier, if you could talk a little bit about, you know, Jesse just alluded to My Heart Says Go, which is thematically a part of this show that deals with young people and sort of choosing what path they want to take as they hear their own voice in their head, as opposed to society's voices or their parents' voices or what seems practical. Can you talk a little bit about the story itself? Absolutely. So um, I think that's what really drew me to it is 
it's a, it's it's about a calling, right? Uh, so the son, very typically, uh, father son relationship where you know the father is working extremely hard to provide more opportunities and see his for his son and see his son excel and exceed any of 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 the goals that the father himself did not achieve and uh, and that's very common right we i'm sure all of us here have a version of that story with our own parents um and and true to form the 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 son is his own person and really comes into his own voice and his own place and decides he cannot live his father's dream he has to live his dream and he's got to try and so there's that's the conflict the key conflict between the the two the two characters and and off the sun goes on an adventure to pursue his dream and follow his heart um, after a terrible terrible fight that the two of them have um, and you know it's the adventure that follows you know the the life that he tries to build and the healing process between father and son and also between mother and daughter even though um, the mother is deceased Jesse's character is deceased there's a healing that happens through the father and the son that's sort of mirrored onto these two other characters of mother and daughter. And, um, and it's, it's, it's beautiful and it's timeless. And really, you know, it's, it's such a, a brainchild of Matt to think, let's get this music out there because what Jorge has written is absolutely compelling, beautiful music. I fell in love with it as soon as I heard it. Um, and and it's, it's, it's a, I'm so sorry. My neighbor's dog is going crazy right now. I don't know if you can hear it. <laughs> That's okay. I feel like people are going to be excited to know what it's like to live with you in your apartment. Like it's so right. behind the scenes. It's this great. It's so real. It's, it's so, so real. real. It's so You're real. You're going to hear a lawnmower on my side very soon. <laughs> there it is. You, you may hear me yelling at one of my children. Anything can happen. We don't know. Um, well, can we talk about this theme? I'm talking right now to two people whose performances on Broadway and other stages have brought such tremendous joy and cathartic experiences and truly like both of you are just two of the most prolific glorious performers of our generation and so a that people are going to get to hear you both your voices um, on one project together is is just incredible. Um, but let's talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about when you just referred, Javier, to sort of, you know, maybe everyone relates to this on some level, the artist path. And uh, some people have artist parents. And so it's a no brainer. It's like going into the family business. My dad's a plumber. I'm a plumber. My dad's an actor. I'm an actress now. So maybe Jesse, you can talk a little bit about, you know, your sister is like this glorious actress as well. Um, but can you talk about your personal journey of falling in love with the performing arts, understanding your instrument and what you have to offer and wanting to pursue it, not as a hobby, but in earnest? What were the roadblocks or lack of roadblocks in your own story that you can share? Oh, sure. And then I want to hear Javi's version because I actually don't know. And funnily enough, you were saying you were very gracious in saying you love that we're both on this project i do too because we were supposed to do another recording project during the pandemic together <laughs> and it true. didn't work out wonderfully because like i think javi got a tv show and we were all very happy for you but yes <laughs> we were supposed to work on this other project um a musical called the christmas schooner which is a wonderful holiday show so so javi i'm glad that we get to at least um 
our little our little recorded notes get to be together in the ether. Yes, um, me too. <laughs> but uh, but yes, to to answer your question, Alana, um, uh, my parents are actors. My parents are both actors. My older brother, sister, and younger brother are actors. So you mentioned plumbing. I don't know if there was something in the water. If we just thought that was normal, um, I'm sure it was a little bit of all that. But um, so I grew up around it. So I guess to me, it 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 just was in my world. It did seem normal to me. Um, I was around a lot of actors and creative people. And, you know, I look back now and I think, oh, that was really that was really amazing. I was exposed to a lot. I was exposed to people who were 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 interesting and sort of thinking outside of the box from a very early age. So I think I was very drawn to it also because I loved my parents. I loved my brothers and sisters. So the people I loved and I loved their friends too, their actor friends and creative friends. So the people I loved did this thing. So I'm sure that was part of being drawn to it. Um, I didn't really do any acting as a child. It wasn't until high school that I got into it. And I think that's when I thought, I, I saw a lot of theater growing up and I think I had that, I don't know, that feeling in the audience of, oh my gosh, this is, I mean, I was feeling things. <clears throat> I was feeling things as a little kid. So I think my brain translated some sort of pathway to say, oh my gosh, if I could do that for someone else, that would be the coolest thing. If I could do, if I could create in someone else what's happening inside of me, maybe that would be cool. So then high school was sort of my first chance to do that. And I think I really enjoyed it. I think I also found, I found like-minded people. I, that's where I felt like I found my, my friends. A lot of people say that like, yeah, I found all the other theater nerds and we all hung out in the theater all the time. And that was cool, you know? Um, and then, but then I really struggled with whether I should study theater in college. I was privileged enough to have the opportunity to go to college. And, um, but I really struggled with it. I think also because my parents were actors, um, I knew there wasn't a lot of money for college. And I, and I knew that, I think growing up, I had quite a realistic view of what being a person in the arts looked like. The ups and the downs, I don't think I had the, any sort of illusions about like, oh, the bright lights of Broadway or Cincinnati or wherever it is. Um, so I worried about it because I was like, well, do, do I go and study, take this precious time and study for this really unstable career um, or possibly unstable? You know, there's, I knew there were always ups and downs, um, but it was really my mom who encouraged me. She said, you know, you're young now, like try it, go study musical theater. And if you want to do something different later you can and so I did go to school for musical theater but in the end I think it was my junior year I ended up switching my major I was in a BFA program uh and switched to uh, a bachelor <laughs> I have a BS in acting bachelor of science I don't know why it was science which required me to take like a geology course it was to me it was very difficult it was you never know when that will come in handy it was not rocks for jocks let me tell you then that's more than you needed to know. And that's my story. Javi? Well, I just want to say one thing. I love that you were like the bright lights of Broadway or Cincinnati. Like those are our two choices, by the way. Brilliant. That's it. <laughs> oh, really? I No, I said, as I was saying it, as I was saying it, I thought like, I mean, honestly, for me, I grew up just outside of Chicago. So for right. me, it was Chicago. That was right. theater to me. I right. didn't go to New York a lot. I didn't have any direct connection to Broadway. I wasn't seeing Broadway shows. So to me, Broadway was like, guys and dolls and gypsy like i i, I had no sort of sense of what modern Broadway right. was right new musicals 
yeah, new musicals or anything like that. So to me, I wanted to come back and, and do theater in Chicago. And that's, that's what I did. But the Broadway thing wasn't really, that wasn't my dream necessarily. I didn't, I don't think, cause I don't think I had any attachment to it. We'll circle back to that later as to how Broadway or Cincinnati became uh, the destination. Um, Javi, can you share, it's sort of same question, like like when did the, you know, the creative angel sort of start floating around you and um, it endowed you with just ridiculous amounts of talent that were undeniable and and how did we get to now have you in our lives because of that? Uh, that first of all, thank you. That is so kind. But it, but it, it's it's the craziest journey actually because no one in my family pursued this, but everyone had a creative streak. You know, there was singing, there was painting, there was there were musicians, there was dancing, there was everyone had their thing, but not a single person was going to pursue this professionally. That just wasn't rational. Um, I as a kid was a giant science nerd. Um, I, I, I was in love with astronomy and um, the high school that I got selected to go to, because um, my zone school, I'm born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, and I was, I'm from a really tough neighborhood. And my zone school was, you know, that was survival of the fittest kind of situation. So my, my, I managed to get accepted to a different school, Edward R. Murrow in Brooklyn, which is actually where Marissa Tomei went. And um, they had, a, they had an, a, a planetarium in the high school. So I was going for astrophysics. I was a complete science nerd. Like I totally was not even thinking of theater. And um, my friends though, from my neighborhood, cause we had moved out of that neighborhood and I was living in another area in Brooklyn. And my friends from my neighborhood who I went to school with were in the theater program. So. We're talking, this is 1989, 1990 in Brooklyn, really tough, really tough time. So it was smart, like a strategy for survival was to just go to the library, do my homework, work on projects, wait for my friends, meet them after their rehearsal and take the bus home together or a parent would drive us home or something like that. So it was just safer. It was literally just like survival. So I just would go to the library and then meet my friends after school, after their rehearsal, sorry. And, I, but I never went into the theater. I totally would just like hang out in the lobby and like wait for my friends. And then we'd, you know, make our way home. And one random day, I just walk into the back of the theater. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch a little bit. It's, you know, I'll be respectful and quiet. And I sit in the back and the, the house lights are dark. They're in tech and they're teching sun in the morning, moon at night, and you get your gun. My friends are in the number. So I'm like, you know, I'm sort of geeking out over my friends. I'm like, oh, this is so cool what they're doing, right? And the director's down front and, and I'm, I'm just looking at this and feeling it. I'm feeling it. I can, I can literally tell you every detail about this moment because it's so clear in my memory, sitting in that seat and what the room felt like. And I was like, why am I not doing this? This is so cool. And the next show was, the next musical was The King and I. And I got, I auditioned, I got cast as an Amazon guard and I just stood on stage. I had no lines. I didn't even sing a note. I didn't have anything to sing. And I was like, this is what I have to do with my life. Like this. It just all made sense. It made sense in my heart. It made sense in my mind. It all made sense. And I, I totally changed my focus and I, I started doing theater and um, my parents and my 
family did not take it seriously. They loved that I was doing art, but they were like, you know, science, science, science. Like I got a telescope for Christmas. You know what I mean? Like it was like, that's what you're doing. And then I got an agent, like a month, my first agent one month before I graduated high school because the production of Sweeney Todd that we were doing and I was playing Sweeney and the director believed in me so much. This is a man who still to this day comes to see everything I do. He's been in my life through from high school all the way to now. And he believed in me so much. And he had a former student who what, had become an agent. He invited that uh, agent to come see me in the show. And a month before I graduated high school, I had my first agent and I was so naive. I was like, this happens to everybody, of course. I had no clue. And, and I got, you know, the first few years I was, uh, were rough, you know, convincing my family, trying to book a, a gig. I'm like 17, I graduated high school and I'm starting with an agent and like, no, and I'm, and I'm alone, right? No one in my family can really mentor me. I am learning by the seat of my pants kind of thing. And, um, and it was rough for the first year, but, you know, got the hang of it and the rest is history. Here I am. I need to ask because, you know, you are, you are very much aligned with Lin-Manuel Miranda in terms of sort of how you are one of the greatest interpreter of his works and co-collaborators. Um, can you just talk a little bit about how you first met Lynn and was it on In the Heights or was it before that that you guys partnered up? <laughs> Ditto. I want to know the story too. Um, so if, if there's there's a little a little setup here before I dive into actually meeting Lynn because it's pretty it's pretty incredible. Um, so this was uh, two. This was two thousand five, um, and I I um, th there's a happy ending to this. So just like understand, my parents are alive, healthy, well. They're really, okay. Okay. Um, so I'll Thank you for that. that. Yes. So uh, both of my parents in the same year were diagnosed with cancer, different types of cancer, which they have survived. Right. They're still with me. Um, and I, I had, uh, in 2002, uh, uh, acquired HIV, which I'm very open about. That's part of my platform. And so in, in this one year, I moved back home with my parents and I was helping them out, um, to, to get through their treatments and, you know, things like laundry and groceries and things that you help with, you know, and they were supporting me through me just trying to learn with to learn to live my life with HIV and, and medications and everything. So we we're kind of a team and, um, but I, I didn't feel like I was, I was really helping in terms of um, employment because I was not booking any, I couldn't, man, I auditioned for everything. I could not book a thing. It was like, I didn't even, I was invisible. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, pick me, nope, <laughs> you know? And, and so I, I really made a tough decision and I quit the business. I took a job as a general manager at a new restaurant in Hell's Kitchen at the time. Like I just opened the place as the GM. It was such miserable work. I cannot even tell you. Um, and because it wasn't what I wanted to be doing, right? Not because restaurants are miserable, but because I just wasn't doing what I was meant to be doing. And um, I, my friend Josh from college had written his first musical and he wrote a role for me. 
And so he's, this is the day of beepers, right? So I'm getting page after page after page from Josh. I just need you to be in the show. Please do the show. And I'm like, okay, fine. If you can work around my new schedule, because now I'm, 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 you know, working as a GM, I have like real hours here, you know, if that, if that fits great, if it doesn't know, so he makes it work. And I make this show my swan song, right? It's like my, my goodbye musical theater. This is the final thing I'm going to do. In rehearsal, there is one actress I don't know, and she is staring at me all, you know, all the time. And then she finally sends me this message and she's like, you know, first of all, sorry for staring at you, but she's part of the development of a new musical. And she just auditioning a role and she thinks I would be perfect for this character. And I'm like, this is the universe knocking on my window. I, I really, I kind of, I believe in that, right? And I was like, I, I have to, I have to see what this is. So I invite her to the restaurant in between lunch and dinner. We sit at a table um, and she hands me a script. And this is the days of compact discs. And so she hands me a CD and I pop it in my you know, portable disc man. And I listen to this opening number and it's uh, the opening to End the Heights. And I'm listening to Lynn rap. And I'm just like, what is this, man? Like, so, okay, cool. Can I have the night to read the script, listen to this music and, and you know, get back to you? I inhale that script, right? I devour that music and I say yes to the audition because I, I mean, you, you know the show. I'm looking at these Latin characters who have so much integrity and, they are not caricatures. This is, this is like my family on this page, right? And I say yes to the audition. It's for M two weeks at MTC and developing in the Heights. And it's for a character named Lincoln who was Nina's brother who eventually got cut from the show. Um, and I book it. And that's when I meet Lynn and Tommy and Lack and Kiara and Bill and you know the, the Voltron team and as they call themselves. <laughs> and, um, and I, I, I have to sit next to Lynn throughout all of these rehearsals um, because we're singing the same vocal parts, right? And <laughs> we just start nerding out over all of the sci-fi television that is on at the time, you know? And <laughs> I mean, and there was a lot. And he's like, he's a big old nerd like me. We, we love the same cartoons growing up. We're both from New York. We start bonding over science and science fiction and books that we love. And, and I mean, it's, it's nerd city, right? It's nerd city with the two of us. And we don't ever shut up. Like Lack has to, you know, separate. It's like the two kids you got to separate in rehearsal, right? And so that's, that's the start of our connection. And over the, the development of In the Heights, as, um, as Lincoln gets cut, they move me into this position where... Um, we're, we had to go to the um, Eugene O'Neill Theater Conference in Connecticut. And the contract is that Lynn could only be composer. He couldn't perform. So it's Kiara comes up with the, with the idea since Lincoln is cut, um, let's audition Javi for Usnavi. And, and I mean, that was like another moment, just like I explained, like sitting in that theater and I could remember every detail. I remember standing in the hallway so freaking nervous. I wanted this so bad because I was so in love with the show and with this entire creative team. And I was like, you know, Lynn's my buddy at this point. Like, it's, you know, it's like, it's like, I gotta book this and I do. And so for the month leading up to 
um, the Eugene O'Neill, where I'm now going to do Usnavi. I'm the first person besides Lynn who's going to do Usnavi. Lynn takes me under his wing and puts me through what he called rap school. So he gives me this CD and it's all of the hip hop songs that inspired the songs in, in the Heights. And, 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 and what I mean by that, not that, that, that Lynn wrote in the same uh, theme as these songs, but there's a cadence to some of these rappers or there's an intention, there's a flow, there's mechanical things he wants me to be listening to. Um, and it's like, you know, it's Tupac, it's all, it's, it's everybody you can imagine. And I just inhale all of that. I spend a month in his brain. I meet his entire family, all the people who inspired these characters. And from that point all the way through to today, like that's the foundation of our friendship and our collaborated, our collaborative process, right? You will never find two performers who together create a role. That just doesn't exist in our industry, but you get me and Lynn in the room and that's what happens. We created Usnavi together. We created the character of Hamilton together. And, and, and that's how we work. And there's just this unspoken shorthand thing that we've got. Um, you know, we, it's, it's kind of a running joke that we say the same things at the same time, in fact, you know? And so we're just kind of that, those two people. Um, and, and that's, that's just the, the most unique, special, precious, creative relationship I've ever had in my life. It's, it's built on mutual respect and, 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 and real like humility and, and just, just love with one another. And so that's, that's how we, that's how we roll. I'm out. I mean, what, what do I, we're both just shaking our heads a lot in our minds. Wow. Okay. Um, okay. It's so unique. It's so unique. The way you explain it makes me think of like, to me, I was like thinking of like the great, the great writing teams, like composers from the fifties and sixties to me, like the, the golden era of musical theater. I was like, yeah, Rogers and Hammerstein. Yeah. Right. Or Nichols and May. Like <laughs> these, these two minds and, and like spirits that come together and you're like, Ooh, I get you and I get you. And I think that's, you were talking about like the universe, the stars aligning. I think that's one of those cool things. It's like you each have your own thing, but together it's something, it's something bigger. That's, that's honestly what it feels like when we're in the room. Yeah. yeah. And when you talk about humility, right? Like, and I can only imagine along with that, the humility that has to ride next to the whole experience, because not everyone knows the whole story of how these things get created, right? And so, A, that I get, you know, people all over the world listen to this podcast, and I'm just so thrilled that there's now a narrative that sort of helps explain, because it'll say in the program of something, right? Like what someone's participation in the creative process is, but for people to really understand the partnership as Jesse just said, like those are two names that go together. All of those historical Broadway song writing teams, you know, Rogers and Hammerstein. And I think Munoz and Miranda, like, like it's that. And I think, I think people need to understand that. And, and I think you have been such a um, teacher of humility in that way, like just going back to the art and the work and the doing. And if people understand the story, that's great. 
but but you lead with the work and it's just been so awe-inspiring to me to kind of know a little behind the scenes but to have it spoken in your words I feel really honored really honored to hear it from from your brain and mouth Jesse you I want to know you know I have not taken a road trip ever without the waitress Broadway original cast recording accompanying me and my family, not only because it's just such great storytelling, but it truly like the harmonies in that musical are like some of the most satisfying that any human can like have come into their ears. And so can you talk a little bit? I mean, you've done so many things and it's not fair for me to make you talk about one of my favorites because I don't even know if it's one of your favorites. I hope it is because it makes me so happy. Can you talk a little bit about Waitress for me? Can you indulge me, even though we're here to talk about My Heart Says Go? Will you give me a few minutes of it? Well, sure. Your heart says pie. So let's talk about, um, no, yeah, what do you want to know? You were talking about the harmonies. I mean, I think that's just, we're talking about, you know, Munoz and Miranda, like the the genius brains. That was Sarah, that's Sarah's brain. I don't know. That's how she, that's how she hears harmonics. That's. That's one of the reasons I was I was always a big fan of her music. So when I found out that uh, I got approached about the project, they're developing this film, which I knew the film, the Adrian Shelley film, um, that Carrie that Adrian and Carrie Russell started, and I was like, ooh, I loved that movie. And then they said Sarah Bareilles is working on the music, and I was like, uh oh, because I I think that's one of the things that appealed to me most about her music, the harmonics of it all. So I would be you talk about a road trip, I would be in my car singing along to her. And doing you know my my harmonies to what i would hear into the harmonics of her music so i get it i'm with you i i know that was um i mean that project was so joyous that project was so difficult it was it was many many things but um uh, 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 I'm so, pr I'm so proud of what everybody created i really am so anytime i hear someone say i love it or i listen to it or my my baby loves sugar butter flower like I, that blows my mind i and 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 warms warms my heart it makes me so happy and also you know many of us you know the the added thing about that show that that not again sort of not knowing the behind the scenes of it like i knew adrian and so to sort of know adrian's story for her life as an artist to be celebrated and experienced as an extension of her movie in like in so many ways and bringing so much joy and it's so removed in so many ways from from her from her right in terms of how people understand it but if you knew her and then saw this show and thought oh my god like in anyone's wildest dreams would would her legacy known or unknown continue in this extraordinary way. Um, it's just so powerful. And then Nick passing during COVID and then how he's worked, you know, the fabric of his wisdom and creativity and beautiful artistry woven back into the show when it comes back, like, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of deep stuff that is part of the making of the thing and the people involved in making it that, that adds this incredibly rich layer of humanity to this thing that also just brings people so much joy because it's the most singable, often sadly relatable, um, with such a 
like a clear hero to to root for it it's like just a perfect musical in that way and then it just happens to have this unbelievable life that's attached to it I just want to ask you because I've seen you in so many things how did you make your Broadway debut what what show did you debut in oh well my my that that I was thinking of Javi you told your story you're like well this friend from the, the guy that went to my high school was an agent he came and saw me like I I feel like I had a very unusual I was working in Chicago and I was God bless that I was a working actor I was like I'm this is awesome I'm paying my rent I'm I can even eat and I get to play with all my friends every day like <clears throat> I was I was I was thrilled I was sort of itching for more I don't know anyway so the opportunity for the show came about I was I was doing a production of Merrily We Roll Along at the time I remember with like three of my best friends I mean it was very cool and uh and my agent reached out with this project they were going to revive on a clear day you can see forever and they were attaching Harry Connick Jr to it he was going to be it was like a the new star vehicle for him um because I don't think he'd done a show on on Broadway since pajama game maybe so this was like so this was going to be starring Harry and um it's a little like my Sarah Borella story I was a huge Harry Connick Jr fan so I was like well that's cool and and I remember they sent me the they sent me the script and they said they're sort of doing a revisal as opposed to they were calling a revisal instead of a revival because they were changing around the story and um and I and I the whole thing I was like Oh, a Broadway show. I was like, this is such a long shot, but you know, I'll, I'll read it. And, and then I read the script and I just got totally suckered in. I didn't know the original show that well. I knew bits and pieces of it. And I knew like Barbara Streisand had started the movie. And so I, Javi, it's like you, like I devoured the script. The character I was reading for was going to be this like 1940s. She was trying to be a jazz singer she was a waitress so actually i guess that was my first waitress that i second waitress i ever played first waitress was in high school i was in a production of working and i played the waitress <laughs> so so um and that was another thing i i loved i loved jazz i mentioned i was a huge harry connick jr fan and i love like the the 1940s movie musical to me that's that's sort of sunshine and joy and i just grew up watching those especially with my grandma and um so everything about it just felt like uh oh I, I just got more and more drawn into it and i was like i think i could i think i could do this and then it sort of turned in like ah oh, dang it i want to do this so i go to the audition and it was jim carnahan who was who was casting it and um and he was such a champion of me so they were also casting the touring production of um uh, american idiot green day's american idiot so that's why they were coming through Chicago. And apparently they had this other show, you know, the other files on the desk were like clear day and you know, something, something else. So while they were in Chicago, I still don't know how my name got on a list with Jim Carnahan. I had never been in for him before. I, I'd never auditioned for anything in New York before, I don't think. So they had me come in on this day. I think I knew that like, that's why they were coming in but it didn't really register. So I come into this, audi this audition studio in Chicago and, and I'm like, oh, I'm playing a dress thing. I'm gonna wear like a little, a little dress and heels and try to look cute. And I walk in and everybody else is in like black eyeliner with their guitars and their black nail polish. And cause they're all there for American Idiot. And I'm sure they all looked at me like I was the American Idiot. Like, what is this girl doing? <clears throat> 
but the audition went well and and jim jim was like i'm making this a very long story i apologize jim 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 said can you can you come back tomorrow for a callback and i was like uh i can't because i'm doing my friend's musical i was doing a show at the time we were presenting his new musical and i could i couldn't like back out of that and he said well can you get to new york next week i was like sure sure yes sir yes sir i can do that sir and i did and i flew myself to new york and i don't remember where i stayed i don't it's a little bit of a blur and i came in again and then <clears throat> i had several more several more callbacks I ended up doing um like a, a, a workshop and then uh, what they now call a lab, which is sort of a longer process. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the team, Michael Mayer was directing and he's such a champion of sort of new unknown people. And um, uh, the team sort of was was really supportive and moving along and, you know, we, we love you. And so maybe we can see you for the cover of this, this uh, the character that was basically going to play sort of the love interest opposite Harry Connick. Um, there's a doctor patient relationship. David Turner played the patient. Um, uh, the main, the main character instead of like, uh, uh, this young woman was this young gay man, but then they discover a past life and the past life was this female jazz singer. I know it, it was a crazy plot. Um, but gosh, did we have fun. And, uh, so they were like, well, we would maybe consider you for the cover. And like, if you can do this workshop, if you can come back and I was still living in Chicago at the time. So they, end, I ended up, this the Marriott Theater let me out of a contract to come do a, a lab for a month in New York. I stayed on my friend's couch in Harlem and uh, on the floor. I stayed on the air mattress in Harlem with my buddy Nick from high school, and we had a grand old time that month. And and then Javi, it was a little bit like you were telling your story. At one point during the lab, I get pulled out in the hallway with the producers, and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna give you the part." And I was like, "What?" And then they said, "But you can't tell anyone." because they really wanted to be a control, I think of like how the marketing was was rolled out and all that. Cause it was like Harry Connick Jr. and someone you've never heard of as Melinda. Like, so, so it was, it was a wild, it was a wild time, but that's how I, that's how wow. I came to New York. So I like sort of like subletted quote unquote, my, my place to my boyfriend, he, my partner, um, he finished out my lease in Chicago and I came to New York and subletted and just was sort of like, okay, I'll come do this show and see how it goes and take it step by step. And it was a whirlwind and, but that's how I got to New York. Did you enjoy Harry? Oh my gosh. He was just as cool as I wanted him to be. Cause that's <clears throat> scary. You're like, wait, I oh, love yeah. you in my ears and you're very handsome. Now what? Yes. Like, yeah. Yes. He's a tall drink of water. And he's just, he's just the coolest and the most supportive and the most lovely guy and an, and a wonderful friend. It became a wonderful friend and um, could not have been more supportive of me. And I mean, he's got, he's got three daughters and um, I think he sort of took me under his wing and was like, cause he also, I think he could sense, he didn't make it blatant, but I think he could sense that like, I had never done this something like this before and right. he believed in me and he protected me he wanted yeah um <clears throat> he was he was incredible and he led that whole show i mean the show didn't last long but that was my first uh view of like oh this is what a leader does in this yeah sort of, in this sort of world and realm like this is how this is how you lead a company this is how you carry yourself this is this is how you lead with kindness and positivity and he was he was he was that to a T. I just want to tell you guys both again 
that um, this particular concept album, My Heart Says Go, when you were talking about it, I thought about how like the Who's Tommy, they made this rock opera before there was any concept of it being a show that would go on forever or a movie that, you know, would would live forever. And it feels like with the talent involved in the story and it's for young people, it's just a show that now there's a template for this thing to happen all over the place. And I think, you know, Matt Hawkins and and Jeffrey Coe as musical director and all the people involved, um, what a beautiful, beautiful thing that you guys made and that people are gonna hear. And it will probably become a show that gets done all over the place. So that's amazing. And that's in great part because of you two who are here today. I have one last question for both of you that I ask all my guests. It is the Little Known Facts podcast. Can both of you share a little known fact about yourselves? Um, or or if you want to play about the other person uh, that you could share before we end, I'd be so grateful. Oh, that's a toughie. Um, a little known fact about me is, um, this is so random. I don't know why this is what's coming to my head, but I have an absolute like vehement hatred for onions <laughs> onions all uh, kinds of onions oh uh, no just just a raw, uncooked, raw white onion white onion you could have one in your hand uh, chasing me down the street and i would run they are evil they are trying to take over the world and i hate them <laughs> So when you have a cold, you don't like chop up an onion and heat it over a stove to make soup. That's not what you do. Oh, no. garlic. Okay. I'll do garlic. Garlic, sure. A little known, a little known, little known fact, little known fact. A little known fact. I think the first role I ever played, I said I didn't do theater as a child, which I didn't, but there was a school pageant and I believe I played the wiggly worm. <gasps> if I was a wiggly worm, show the world that I could squirm or something like that. There was a line and myself and, and my buddy, Joshua Ray, we played the wiggly worm. So it was a dual cast role, <laughs> but I like to think that what I brought to the wiggly worm was unique. You guys, I just got uh, inadvertently Jesse Mueller to sing on my podcast today. So that's uh, a little Sorry. known fact. Sorry. That was my dream. <laughs> that was my dream. I can't believe it. Um, all right. I am so grateful to you both. Thank you for being on the show today. You're just the most remarkable, beautiful, generous, gorgeous humans. And thanks for the work and thanks for your time. And until next time, thank you for being on Little Known Facts. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for getting behind new projects. It means a lot means yeah. a lot to me that you did it. All right, you guys have a wonderful day and thank you so much. -okay. Little known fact, now you can watch hours and hours of my interviews with your favorite artists as they talk about the art they love to make on YouTube. That's right, I have a YouTube channel. It's called Little Known Facts with Alana Levine. Catchy, right? Subscribe and enjoy. Little known fact, if you want to donate to the podcast, just go to littleknownfactspodcast.com forward slash donations. Thank you so much in advance for your generosity. Have a great day.
Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.